If this world were not just halfway captured by lies, Elon Musk would be man of the year. And I didn't enter into this having a super high estimation of Elon. I mean, IQ, sure, he's got enormous intellectual bandwidth. We know that. He's inventive. Uh, He still owes us money uh, for the tax dollars he took for Tesla. We'll never get that back. But we're getting something more important, and it's just a reminder that God can use anybody. What Elon Musk is uncovering is wildly un-American, completely unconstitutional, unconscionable, illegal, all of the above, and ungodly. It is government destroying the First Amendment behind the scenes. Except now we have it in public. And it's enormous. And there's not a chance that this is only happening at Twitter, that it didn't happen at Facebook and YouTube. And I mean, they tacitly admit it. And to watch so-called journalists, uh, just as they're okay with this, it's breathtaking. <laughs> and as so is often the case, President Trump saw this coming, and he said it in a very Trumpian way. Uh, here's one. This is our, this is the arbiter. This guy is the arbiter of what's supposed to go on Twitter. He's the one he thought that... Uh, he thought, and if you use CNN as a guide, CNN, which is fake news, he uses CNN as a guide. His name is Yoel Roth, and he's the one that said that uh, mail-in balloting, you look mail-in, no fraud, no fraud, really? Why don't you take a look all over the country? There's cases all over the country. If we went to mail-in balloting, our election all over the world would look as a total joke. Boom, and it does. And he was right about Yoel Roth and about mail-in balloting. Uh, But the other portion of this, of what Elon is peeling away, is that far too many Americans and uh, people in so-called positions of journalism simply don't care. They simply don't care about the First Amendment, not even a little bit. A reminder that God is pro-free speech. We'll examine all of this with the help of the folks from SodaWeightLoss.com. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. This is a beautiful bit of scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Just utterly beautiful and true. And in the show notes, there's more on how God can use anyone to accomplish his ends. So Elon Musk has purchased a crime scene, and it's a perfect opportunity for the Republicans to undo the censorship machine, which is, by the way, one of the reasons they can't win um, many elections, because of the rigging. And rigging doesn't need to be hacking. It doesn't need to be stealing votes. That's stealing. Rigging an election is exactly what they did at Twitter, not just with Hunter Biden, uh, but with illegal immigration and the border and COVID. All of that was about breaking the minds of Americans and creating information silos where some of us know things that others don't. And very few skeptical people, right, uh, were, were fooled by any of these things. And I sense that at Twitter, they're, they're deeply interested in banning people like me. And I know that sounds weird because Elon runs things, except there are still a whole bunch of committed leftists and, frankly, still there are a bunch of FBI, former FBI people who simply do not want people like me to be able to use that platform. I say that because as I'm recording this, I'm on suspension uh, by Twitter for pointing out that gender dysphoria is a mental illness, which it is. 
in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5, and they're trying to change this, it still qualifies as a mental illness, according to psychiatry, psychology's own textbook on how to, on how to uh, figure out if someone has a mental disorder. Yeah, for that, I'm on suspension, because I think what they intend to do is come out with the three strikes thing with me, and you're gone. Why? Because Elon has promised people like me the ability to go see how badly shadow banned we are because there's no doubt I my, my my account is so suppressed and it's fine i use it mostly for show research but i think they're building up before elon can deliver that promise to banning people like me and i'm the least of these well i don't want me to say it that way i'm the least important person in that there's people far more important than me than he would uh, that they would like to see banned so he purchased this crime scene and over the weekend they put out um, Twitter files, uh, the Twitter files number four. This came out Sunday night. Uh, and it's about the removal of President Trump uh, from Twitter. And this time, uh, getting the, the ability to tweet this out is Michael Schellenberger. They're, they're sharing this with various independent journalists because uh, one of the things Elon has said is that he wants Twitter to be the home for independent journalists. He wants to uh, amplify the voices of independent journalists. I applaud that because only independent journalists are free of speech codes. And are and again, I'll remind you, speech codes exist in conservative talk radio. You know, I'm glad that I don't have any installed on me. And the national radio show that we've been blessed with, with our friends from Radio America, we, we got to do that under our terms and some of their terms, but no speech codes. No speech codes. So on January 7th, Twitter executives created some justifications to ban Trump to seek a change of policy for Trump alone, distinct from other political leaders. They expressed no concern for the free speech or democracy implications of a ban. So they went on this rage uh, through Twitter, through all of the executives, all the way up to Jack Dorsey, who had been on vacation. And they started to construct a scenario by which slight changes or big changes to Twitter policy could allow them to ban Trump. So Twitter had uh, resisted bans to call Trump for years, and they wrote this in 2018. Blocking a world leader would hide important information and hamper necessary discussions about their words and actions. But... After pressure from Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama and everyone else, and the events of January 6th, which you've heard Yoel Roth on this program say traumatized him. He wasn't there, but it traumatized him because he, in his words, there's no better example of rhetoric leading to violence than January 6th. And again, I'll point out that Yoel Roth is a traumatized man afraid for his tribe, his tribe which runs things, his tribe which is the least marginalized amongst us, his tribe you're not allowed to criticize. They're in charge. If you wonder who's in charge, determine who you're not allowed to criticize. You know, henceforth, then he was immune to the Black Lives Matter incorporated riots and the Antifa riots and the Antifa political murders. None of that mattered to him because his tribe wasn't being affected. In fact, in fact, it's his tribe that has Antifa gun people guarding their events. It's that's his tribe. So after these events and all this, this, this pressure from the Anti-Defamation League and, and you know, mobbed up so-called journalists, while Jack Dorsey was on vacation in Polynesia, he phoned into a meeting, but he decided to delegate to Yoel Roth and the head of, of safety and public trust, the, the lawyer. And at this time, these guys went to work in constructing a background argument to, to ban Trump. And just a reminder that Roth tweeted, quote, actual Nazis in the White House. That's a, he, that's a direct quote, actual Nazis in the White House. So actual people following Adolf Hitler, sending Jewish people to the ovens in the White House is how he characterized the president. So he's, he's traumatized, but he's also clearly, clearly suffering from, and I'm not saying Trump derangement syndrome, which is a real thing, but he's deranged in believing that that's a derangement. 
On January 7, Jack emailed employees saying Twitter needs to remain consistent in its policies, including the right of users to return to Twitter after a temporary suspension. After Roth reassures an employee that people who care about this aren't happy with where we are. So you have the staff working to convince the boss, Jack Dorsey, that they need to be able to suspend uh, Trump forever. Around 11.30 p.m. that night, uh, Roth DMs his colleagues with news that he's excited to share. Guess what? Jack just approved repeat offender for civic integrity. The new approach would create a system where five violations or strikes would result in a permanent suspension. Progress! exclaims a member of Ross Trust and Safety Team. Now, the tweet from Cammie Harris at this point was still up, offering financial support for people who were tearing our country apart uh, with riots and, in fact, begging for cops to be murdered and getting it done. And, in fact, committing political murders on our streets, two of them at least. And you can count many of the ambush killings of cops as also political murders. And remember, those went up by 100 to 150 percent in places like in New York City. Those are political murders. Those ambushes are being begged for and asked for and pushed by Black Lives Matter Incorporated, who has helped get funding. Cami Harris helped fund them. One of the ladies who helped set off the bomb in the Senate building in 1983 and was later had her sentence uh, commuted, she's pardoned. I think it was William Jefferson Blythe Clinton III who did that. She is one of the chief fundraisers for Black Lives Matter Incorporated. Back at it. This time doing it the smart way. Letting others do the bombings. Or in this case, the, uh, the ambushes of cops. So he sends this note, does Roth. And, hey, it's progress. His colleagues want to know if the decision means Trump can finally be banned. The person asked, does this incitement to violence aspect change the calculus? Roth says it doesn't. Trump continues to have his one strike. And so they went out seeking the strike that would ultimately give them um, permission from Jack Dorsey to ban a sitting president of the United States, but no one else. I mean, no one else at that time. So Twitter employees recognize the difference between their own politics and Twitter's terms of service, but they also engage in complex interpretations of content in order to stamp out prohibited treats. As a series of exchanges over Stop the Steals hashtag reveals. Roth immediately DMs a colleague and asks that they add Stop the Steal, a a so-called QAnon conspiracy term Kraken, to a blacklist of terms to be de-amplified. Roth's colleagues object to the blacklisting. Stop the Steal risks de-amplifying counter-speech that validates the election. See what they're saying? Hey, if we we stop stop the steal, then people arguing against Stop the Steal will also be de-amplified. In other words... If you disagree with speech, have more speech. There were people at Twitter with that point of view, but of course, it's Yoel Roth that won out. And now we know, because he brags about it, that Yoel Roth was having weekly meetings with the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, and this is why Elon Musk is man of the year. The Federal Bureau of Investigations meddled in the 2022 election. And in my judgment, they meddled in the 2020 election. Pardon me, 2016 election. They unsuccessfully attempted to pimp black op oppo from Hillary Clinton into fact. And this this factors into this as well, because Elon Musk is going at Johnny Brennan. So the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security and the CDC were running Twitter's uh, censorship machine. And in my judgment, probably that of Facebook as well and YouTube, and, and Reddit, and many, many more. But we know it was the case with Twitter. And I will say again, there's no chance. Well, there's, in, in my opinion, there's zero, zero possibility that they don't have the same ability with network news. We saw it this week. NBC News said that, uh, that Biden had the opportunity to release either Paul Whelan or Brittany Griner. And then they changed that. They stealth edited it. And then later they came back and just said, oh, we changed it. But they didn't say why. I fully believe the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI are, is embedded in the newsrooms of America, a national news basis with few exceptions, as they are at Twitter or were, well, still are at Twitter. 
So this is the full statement that President Trump had made at the time about Yoel Roth. Then we'll get into Elon Musk's back and forth with John Brennan, how this could figure into the Republicans who are there now, conservative Republicans making demands of Kevin McCarthy. Hey, if you want to be speaker, there's some things that we're going to see from you or you're not going to get our votes. Uh, here's one. This is our this is the arbiter. This guy is the arbiter of what's supposed to go on Twitter. He's the one he thought that uh, he thought. And if you use CNN as a guide, CNN, which is fake news, he uses CNN as a guide. His name is Yoel Roth. And he's holding up the New York Post. It's an article about Yoel Roth. And of course, the New York Post had been censored by Twitter, by Facebook, by YouTube, by many, many others, because they refused to let the American people understand how corrupt the Biden family is. And he's the one that said that uh, mail-in balloting, you look mail-in. No fraud? No fraud? Really? Why don't you take a look all over the country? There's cases all over the country. If we went to mail-in balloting, our election all over the world would look as a total joke. It would be a total joke. There's such fraud and abuse. And you know about harvesting, where they harvest the ballots and they go and grab them and they go to people's houses and they say, sign here. No, it doesn't work out. Now, an absentee ballot, you can't be there or you're sick and you go and you register and you do all sorts of things to get that ballot. And there's good security measures. But where they send out, like in California, millions and millions of ballots to anybody that's breathing, Anybody in California that's breathing gets a ballot. But, Mr. President, that's not true. So here, here, excuse me, wait a minute, I'm not finished. So here's your, uh, here's your man, and that's on Twitter. Yeah, and he shows the picture of the New York Post again. And, yes, it is true that, that they spam people with ballots. It's not literally true that everybody who's breathing gets one. California isn't yet sending them to five-year-olds, but they will. <laughs> Why would they not? So President Trump saw this coming. And maybe this is one of the reasons this Yoel Roth went so hard after Trump, because Trump called him out. Now, incidentally, speaking of ballot harvesting, later in the program, I'm going to tell you about a guide from the Democrat Party, and they would say that, oh, ballot harvesting is just being efficient. No. There's a guide from the Democrat Party on how to harvest ballots and what steps and excesses to which they're willing to go. Uh, in order to harvest ballots. You know that old joke about dead people showing up to vote in Democrat races? What if that wasn't a joke? So we'll talk about that. So the same intelligence service that runs Twitter, or did, and there's still far too many former FBI people there, and some of them are going to be good people. Like there's a guy at the FBI who runs the actual physical safety, you know, of executives in the offices. And I'm sure that that, I mean, that person's not banning anybody and working on phys- physical security, probably highly, highly qualified. And frankly, so are the FBI agents highly qualified at infiltration, infiltrating organizations, highly qualified because the FBI has done it for decades at causing dissent in political organizations. They infiltrate political organizations and cause dissent. Because anything that threatens the party, the FBI hates. The party being the establishment, which is Democrat and Republican and deep states, academia, tech, finance, and pharma. And the mockingbirds. Anything that threatens that, the FBI is threatened by. So that, that, same, that same wrench that turned the ratchets to rig the election with Twitter and, in my judgment, Facebook and all the other social media sites, and I firmly believe with the Mockingbird Media. Um, Glenn Greenwald reminds us about that wrench. He writes, and this is a recent tweet from his, from him, uh, two weeks before the 2020 election, 51 security state operatives signed a letter affirming a clear lie. The Biden archive was a Russian disinformation. Almost all were CIA, including three of Obama's CIA directors, plus Bush Cheney's chief of CIA um, and National Security Agency and Obama's DHS head. Johnny Brennan tweets this. Good people in democracies 
Oh, and he's he's actually responding to one of his tweets. So let me do this in order. He tweeted, Dr. Fauci's a national hero. He's responding to Elon Musk. Elon Musk said, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Brennan writes back, Dr. Fauci's a national hero who will be remembered for generations to come for his innate goodness and many contributions to public health. Despite your business success, you'll be remembered mostly for fueling public hate and divisions. You may have money, but you have no class. And then he retweeted himself to amplify what he said, Johnny Brennan. Good people in democracies need a more effective way to prevent attention-craving, emotionally immature, and highly devious individuals, especially those of means, from being socially, culturally, and politically destructive. We certainly seem to have far too many of them lately. Elon Musk destroys that with four words. He tweets back to Johnny Brennan, Your house is glass. Because Johnny Brennan sought and got spots on TV as a paid contributor. Those TV networks never apologized for that man sitting on their air lying constantly about President Trump. Or for the intelligence services meddling now, and it's now proven that they've meddled in two elections. A national and a midterm. Well, no, that's not true because they meddled in they meddled in 2016, three. They meddled in 2016 but failed. They meddled in 2020 and succeeded. Now in 2022, they've meddled. And Johnny Brennan talking about people who are attention-seeking and having money, he may not have the billions and dozens that Elon Musk has, but by virtue of the fact that he's a mobbed-up member of the party, Johnny Brennan never needs to work a day again in his life. And this is another reason that Elon Musk is man of the year. Because he goes at Johnny Brennan in that style, and very few people are willing to go at Johnny Brennan at all, let alone in that style. Another guy who did that was President Trump. And the intelligence services went to work destroying his presidency. And the intelligence services are going to make every attempt to destroy Elon Musk. You know, truth-telling has its cost. It just does. And when we're doing it for righteousness, and by that I mean uh, doing it for God, uh, then we're protected. And it's worth it. To suffer for God is worth it. And I'm not saying that Elon Musk, incidentally, is doing this for God. I think he's doing it because of God. Because I think God can use anybody. God chose a guy named uh, Zach Abraham to suffer when he got into the business of finance. Zach was a young man, studied finance, played college football. It's a PLU, if you want to know. It's very good at it, by the way. Zach's very good at football. And he graduated, went to work for two companies both of whom got greedy and stupid (laughs) doing things like longing housing stocks while Zach was personally shorting them. And he watched those firms get ruined by not being clear-eyed about risk management and, frankly, not understanding the degree to which the financial world had become mobbed up and rigged. And in despondency, because it cost him dearly, In a state of despondency, he went to the Lord and said, what am I doing? And what he heard was, you had enough? Are you ready to put me at the center? And so Bulwark Capital Management was born. Now, you will not go to Bulwark's page, knowyourriskradio.com, and see Bible quotes and scripture because Zach refuses to use the Lord as a marketing device. But the Lord informs everything they do in terms of stewarding money, including the transparency of Zach saying things like a couple weeks ago on the program. He said, I do not understand this market. And we talked about the chaos economy, and that's the only thing that explains it. The chaos economy. People making money in chaos. And still there's patterns. And still you have to be in the market to make any money unless you've got cash flow properties. So Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management focuses on risk management in this chaos economy. You have um, less than three weeks in this year to get with Zach at 866-779-RISK to see if your portfolio is risk management oriented. Can it make it through the chaos economy? 866-779-RISK or if you want to do it quickly, just go to knowyourriskradio.com. 
Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. So I continue to insist that when the Mockingbirds decided to take COVID monies from the government, they made themselves vendors of the federal government at that point. Congress can simply go and track how their money was spent, our money. They can simply bring in the media executives and their sales heads and their CEOs. We want your emails related to programming choices about COVID-19. We want any and all emails with anyone involved in the government. We want to see to what degree the money that Pfizer was able to give you because the government gave it to them was used to advance an untrue narrative about COVID in these injections. And what you're going to find out, in my judgment, is that so much of the TV that we saw, well, and we know this, we know for a fact that the CDC made it their goal to work with every single host and show producer so that they could craft the narrative of safe and effective, which is continues to be an absolutely blatant lie. So they need to do this, will they? This is how The Hill describes a group of Republicans who are opposed to Kevin McCarthy's opposition. Seven so-called hardline, no, so-called is me. Seven hardline Republicans lay out speaker demands amid McCarthy opposition. Have you ever heard The Hill refer to hardline Democrats or hardline leftists? The answer is no. So there's seven things that they want, and I want to ask you, does this suffice in terms of what you need to see to believe that these Republicans are serious? This is Emily Brooks at the Hill. And she calls out these seven people who are saying no to a McCarthy speakership. And House Freedom Caucus Chairman Scott Perry, GOP reps Chip Roy, love Chip Roy, Dan Bishop, Andrew Clyde, Paul Gosser, love Paul, representatives-elect Eli Crane and Andy Algos. And here's what they want to see. And I love number one, because the speakers of the House and the majority leader of the Senate, in fact, the minority leader too, are far too powerful. We don't really have a Congress anymore. We have a speaker. The speaker decides what gets gets brought to the floor for votes. One person. That is not a representative democracy. And that speaker by virtue of the fact that that speaker decides the business of the American people, period, that speaker can go around and sell favors. You want your bill to come up? You're going to promise to endorse me. You're going to endorse me now. That speaker, like McCarthy has done, can build a political operation so that they only elect candidates who back him. That's what Mitchell McConnell has done. So number one on these Republicans list, restore any member's ability to make a motion to vacate the chair and force a vote on removing the speaker. Former Representative Mark Meadows, of course, went to work for President Trump, was a founding a Freedom Caucus member, helped propel the former Speaker John Boehner, Boehner towards retirement by making a motion to vacate the chair in 2015. Of course that should be allowed. Otherwise, you install a perma boss like Pelosi. Like Boehner intended to be. Number two makes perfect sense. Require at least 72 hours from release of a final text of a bill before it gets a vote on the House floor. They've tried this countless times. And the only reason that the House will not do this is they don't want you to know what's in the bills. They don't want any scrutiny on it because they know what they're doing. They know that they're lying. They know that they're stealing. They know that they're raiding the treasury. They know that their earmarks, which have been brought back under a different name, are payoffs and bribes. And they know that it's transparently easy to see when we get a chance to read the bill before people vote on it. Secondly, you cannot legitimately cast a vote for something you haven't read in detail, especially the way they write bills. These bills are written to obscure what they're about. I would add to this a natural language cover sheet on the bill stating what it will do. And here's why I say that. 
Because a lot of times, bills will start with something like this. It'll reference a previous bill, which is now law. House Bill 15631, opening paragraph will be amended where it says parties shall. It will now say whereas parties may. And you're looking at that, reading the bill, going, okay, so now I need to go grab this other bill and see what that change means. And they'll do that with countless bills. So it's not just one 10,000-page bill. It's 5, 10, 15 other 10,000-page bills. You have to go study to see, okay, what did we actually change? There needs to be a natural language reading of the bill, one to two pages that says, here are the fundamental changes it makes to existing law. This is exactly what will change. Increase the number of Freedom Caucus members and committee chairmanships and, uh, on, on, and on the House Rules Committee. Okay, whatever. So you want some of your guys in, in leadership position. That'd be nice. Raise the debts, or pardon me, decline to raise the debt ceiling without a plan to cap spending and balance the federal budget in 10 years. This is one of the biggest myths in the world. There's no, there's no spending cap. <laughs> if you have a, a spending cap, you raise every year. You don't have a spending cap. If you have a budget you pull, blow past every month, you don't have a budget. You have something you wrote down and then ignored. And that would be really great if they were to do that. But why are we talking about any spending increase? We're broke. The United States is bankrupt. Functionally bankrupt. We're only waiting for the bankruptcy to hit. Which is one of the reasons why things like FTX exist. Because they're, they're creating Hail Mary approaches to try to avoid it being made public, the degree to which they've raided the Treasury. This is this list from the Hill on these things that these Republicans want. There's some things missing. Do not return to the blind embrace of earmarks. Uh, that's too careful language. Strike earmarks. No member should be able within a bill to get something very specific for their district. We don't write bills for specific industry, pardon me, for specific companies, but we do. And the scam on that, the way they do that, if one of their big donors says, hey, my company's getting a tax break or my company's going to get to do things my competitors don't, the way they write those things into bills is any, any, um, any company operating in the following five zip codes with this many employees doing business in this many countries with this, with, this, uh, with this amount of yearly revenue, we'll get this following waiver. And this, oh, it's not designed for just one company, but it is. They also say, use must-pass bills like the annual defense authorization bill and farm bill as leverage to secure conservative priorities and check the Biden administration. No, no, no. Sell that to the American people. Stop taking what you determine to be must-pass bills, like funding our military, and using it for your ideology. Yes, I'm saying that. Sell it to the American people. Ban that process. That's an earmark. Ban that process. Funding the defense authorization bill will contain nothing that is not directly related to the military. Period. In this past attempt, well, and they did pass the defense authorization bill, but in this past attempt, they wanted to force funding for local newspapers from the government because they called it an issue of national defense, and they wanted to be able to, to let, national, let newspapers fund themselves by teaming up to go at social media companies and force them to pay for news that you post. I am not a defender of social media companies. What I'm a big, big opponent of is setting up a process by which the government allows local newspapers to do something that they're not allowed to do in the free market. Because it's a payoff. Last thing that they're asking for is to create a church committee style panel to target weaponized government. Okay, whatever. Fancy language. Name the people you're going to investigate. I don't care that you want to call it a church committee. I don't care that you want to use the phrase weaponized government as neat as some people find that. I want to know who is going to be subpoenaed. Because there's a lot of people who should be subpoenaed. We'll get into that. And this is yet more reason why Elon Musk is man of the year. So much of this stuff is now visible because of the crime scene he purchased called Twitter.
I was, uh, because I'm on suspension from Twitter, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I use it for show prep. Uh, 90% of my use is, is just because it's a fantastic way to have other people uh, do a lot of prep work for me. People I know that um, are interested in things I'm interested in. One of the things the left is doing, <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to push the nomination of Mike Lindell uh, to be the RNC chair saying, oh, this guy would do a fantastic job. He would. <laughs> That's the funny thing. They think that it's, they, 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 they think he's stupid pillow man. And that's how they put it. And they've got a picture of Mike. That's a goofy picture. Mike knows it's a goofy picture, I'm sure. It's him holding a puppy and a pillow. And I nominate my pillow guy because, oh, look how goofy and stupid he is. Really? Goofy and stupid. <laughs> wow. You think that if you're sitting around going, you know what? I want to be, a, I want 100 million bucks. What am I going to do to get it? I'm going to sell pillows. Uh, no, you're not. You couldn't get a bank to finance that. You're doing what? I'm selling pillows. No, there's no one clamoring for a new pillow. No, no, we're not backing that. How did Lindell do it? He created a product that people loved. He feverishly promoted it. He went to state fairs. He showed them to people. Uh, Pop it in the dryer. Show them. Look at how this puffs up. Now lay your head down on it. See, that's formed your head. Boom, sale. Give me four from my home. He worked day and night. He gives credit to God. He believes it's his mission to help people sleep better and now to help people clean their bodies better. So, stupid? Really? The full force of the federal government is going after this guy and he has created a new brand or a new line. It's a six-piece towel set made with USA cotton. Um, They're knockout absorbent. They're far bigger than most bath towels. I consider them beach towels. And when you order any of these, it's a six-piece, by the way. It's two towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack. Order any MyPillow product before December 25th. That's bad. That's coming up. And you get the 60-day money-back guarantee extended through March 1st. I did it. I wrapped myself in the luxury of these incredible towels, a six-piece towel set, regularly $89.98, now for only $39.98 at MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use promo code Herman. And on that website, MyPillow.com slash Herman, you're going to get deep discounts slashes of the prices on all the MyPillow products. Again, the six-piece towel set is it's more than half off. Regularly $89.98, now $39.98. Go to MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman, promo code Herman. So that's the list. There's some things that are missing. Uh, number one, I want the names of people they're going to investigate. For instance, I would like to see an investigation of the man named Rachel Levin, a man who pretends to be a woman and is uh, second in charge of health and human services. Uh, Here is Mr. Rachel Levin, who long ago stopped doing anything to act like a doctor, so I'm not going to call him a doctor. Here he is, and I am going to say is a he because he is a man. Here he is on a conference call with people who are either gender defiant or gender confused. One of them is clearly a man dressed in a dress. I think this guy used to be a used to be a soldier, or maybe still is. No, I think this person still works in government and gets to pretend to be a woman. And this is Rachel Levin talking about the full force of the federal government being used for what? Is there are there other ways do you think that the president and the administration and even you and your role can can use the bully pulpit to maybe even be preventative or educational on? You know who transgender individuals are. Why this is these types of attacks are an affront to the Equal Protection Clause, to 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 our to the founding of our nation in so many fundamental ways. You know, I just wonder: Do you think about? I imagine you do, but just more broadly, what other ways, soft, soft power, if you would, that you can use to to try to foster more equity, understanding, empathy for communities that are under these attacks? Well, thank you so much. I mean, I, I think that that's exactly what um, what we intend to do. Um, and uh, we, we need to use really the full power of the federal government to do that. And that is the basis behind President Biden's historic executive order. And I, it was such an honor to actually stand there um, on the podium while he signed uh, the, the, the executive order. You know, um, it, it is really a specific order um, authorizing all of the different departments of the federal government to, to specifically push back against these uh, regressive 
uh, politically motivated and dangerous attacks um, in the states. And so we are- the, the attacks, by the way, are not letting little kids get chopped up and shot up. That's that's the attacks and not letting um, teachers, so-called teachers, indoctrinate kids and con them into believing they can change their sex and to confuse them. Oh, and the end game on that, it's pedophilia is where that heads. Because once you say about a, a six-year-old that they can determine they're actually a girl and that's their true self, why should that six-year-old not be allowed to consent to sex? After all, that's their true self. Um, for example, one, the EO includes uh, a step to address um, uh, conversion therapy. Okay, the, uh, okay just stop. Uh, here's the investigation. Here's the investigation. I can't listen to that man. He's, he's so much evil has been done to him. He's so ill, such an ill man. Here's the investigation I want to see with Rachel Levin. Sit down in front of the Congress, and it starts with this. And they'll have to say, because they're, they, they're, they're required to use people's honorifics, so they'll have to say, Dr. Levin, you contend that a therapist talking to a little kid about why they are convinced that they're actually a girl stuck in a boy's body is conversion therapy. That's what you contend. Is that correct? And what Rachel Levin, that man, will try to do is say, um, transgender medicine is very complex. I'd be happy to talk with you behind the scenes on this, but it's very complex. No, it's not. It's a very simple question. And let me remind you, we fund you. The House of Representatives funds you and we can defund you. So I want to make it clear again before your entire office is defunded because you're defying me. I'm asking on behalf of the American people, if you state, as I said here, that that talking to a little kid is conversion therapy. I want you to answer the question, is that your opinion, yes or no? And if you can get that person to answer, all great. Because the next step is, okay, but shooting them up with wrong sex hormones and slicing their sex organs apart is not conversion therapy. It's not conversion surgery. Is that what I understand? One... Talking about something is dangerous. You and I are talking about something now. Is it dangerous when people talk to one another about how they're feeling? Is that dangerous? I want that investigated. I see nothing in there about that because maybe the Freedom Caucus members, that's, that's, maybe that's not their party. They want to be able to investigate everybody. They say want a, a Warren-type commission to look at the weaponization of government. Well, I'd like to see that too. Here's what else I'd like to see. I'd like to see an investigation into the personal finances of every single member of the House of Representatives open to the public. I want your tax returns. I want your PACs finances. You get to look at ours. There's so much more. And D.C. being what D.C. is, sometimes these people, they can't hear themselves. This is uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. Have I told you lately my Sheila Jackson Lee story? Did I tell you this? (laughs) We were in a, a staff meeting at the Republican National Committee, and my office was on, gosh, I don't remember the direction. It was, I had a corner office, baby, uh, downstairs uh, to the, if you enter the building, uh, it would be to the right, way in the back of the building. I loved my office, incidentally. Very quiet, easy for me to get out of. When protesters came and we were supposed to lock down, shelter in place, I would just jump out my window and go home and walk through them. If they wouldn't let me walk through the front door, I would have done it. So we were sitting there in the staff meeting in my office, and, and this woman, uh, this, there was this car running in the back in the alley and had been running for like three hours because it was eight o'clock and I got there at 5 a.m. because I would get there, come in early, avoid the mess on the trains, eat breakfast at my desk, go to the gym for an hour and a half or so, shower and come back and then we'd have the staff meeting at eight. I always had my staff meeting start at weird times, 8.03 a.m. People are less likely to be late if you put a weird time on a meeting. Remember, we're meeting at 8.03 a.m. sharp. So there we are in the midst of this, this meeting, and there's this car running, and it's in the middle of winter. And I said, I am so sick of the sound of that car. It's been running all morning. This is insane. Like someone's going to run out of gas over there. And one of my bright-eyed staff members saw that there was a congressional medal or a parking sticker and license plate. And you can tell when it's a member of Congress's car. 
He goes, oh, Herman, that's an MOC. I go, that's a member of Congress? Yeah. So I said, someone get a camera. Someone get a camera. I want to see who, who, who owns that car. And it turned out that it was Sheila Jackson Lee's car. And the, the, the great lady finally came out of the great lady's apartment, escorted was the great lady, by someone providing security for the great lady. And then the great lady walked down, and the great lady got into a car that had been running. Uh, and I said, follow the car. Follow it. I want to know where it goes. So someone ran out the door, came around the corner with a little handheld camera. I'll have to see if I can find this. And here's Sheila Jackson Lee, the great lady in the great car, being driven by you know a security guard and the driver. And that car drove for about, about, it would have been less than a minute. Less than a minute. And it delivered the great lady to the congressional building right behind my office and dropped her off. And the great lady had to walk all of 15 feet in the cold weather so the great lady could go in. And I am not kidding you. This was during the week when they were voting on climate change legislation, cap and trade. And the great lady's car stayed in the parking lot with the gap, with the car running. So that the great lady could come back and get into the great lady's car and go back to the great lady's apartment that was a minute away. So that's a long way of saying, here's Sheila Jackson Lee. As you listen to this, if you're a gun owner, second amendment aficionado, as you listen to this, tell me if you spot any hypocrisy. She's talking here about the guy that the figurehead was caused to exchange for the anti-American basketball player. As the facts would tell them, he was sentenced to 25 years. He saved, served 11 to 16 years. I don't know. They can't remember the exact number. But in actuality, um, his weapons might have been used to kill Americans. He has not killed Americans. I'm not saying he's not a nasty, bad guy. But I will tell you that I believe that Americans should know that the sovereignty of their nation will always be behind them. And they do you hear it? That's a woman who wants your gun safe cracked open and your guns taken, but Victor Boot? <laughs> Arms dealer? Guy who makes it his business in life to make civil wars more bloody? <laughs> his guns didn't kill anybody. And she says that to defend getting Brittany Griner out of prison instead of Paul Whelan. Email from a longtime listener on the program as I'm watching uh, um, as I'm watching Alex Berenson do his thing where he likes to pretend he's the only adult in the room. He's upset with Elon Musk for pointing out that Yoel Roth wrote a disgusting PhD thesis where he wanted the sex app grinder to let kids use it. And Elon said, looks like he wants kids to be able to access the app. Hey, quick question for you. Are you on our Substack yet? I'm looking at the engagement numbers, and I'm bad at Substack. And I don't use it the way it's intended, but I use it the way that this audience wanted to have, and that is access to the show notes every day. So every time you hear me say something on the show, if I'm referencing something specifically, it's 90% of the time in the show notes. You can begin to build your own library of ways to show people the truth about things and to back yourself up if you're in discussions with people. It's also better education, right? Because I can touch on things. I touch on a lot in the cast. I know that. Sometimes I go deep on one topic, but a lot. A lot of the times, there's a whole bunch of topics. You can go through and find that and get more information if it piques your interest. There's also this. God has protected us from censorship right now on the podcast platforms. Thank you, Lord. May you continue to do that if that's in your will. But, but it might well be that God intends to let these people censor us at some point. And if that happens, I would lose contact with you. Right? So Substack is also our way of delivering emails to people. Because guess what? We got canceled by two email providers because we trolled the truth about the COVID flu. So we can't trust email providers, so we trust Substack to deliver our emails. Go to the ToddHermanShow.com. Easy enough to sign up for our Substack there. It's ToddHermanShow.com. I mentioned the other day, I did a program the other day on gratitude. And number one, I'm grateful for all the kind comments I got on the show about gratitude. Thank you for that. 
I did that because I'd had a lot of people come to me saying I needed to take some time off from the show because it got very heavy. In fact, one of my friends said it was causing her to have increased anxiety, and I didn't want to have that. So I told her, look, if it's causing you anxiety, my goodness, take a break. I mean, just, just go spend time with God. Where they have to do that anyway. Um, and so we did a show on gratitude. And I mentioned in it that one of the reasons why is because the topics are so heavy that we discuss here. And maybe that's just me blowing smoke. Maybe that's me believing my own press. I don't know that I'm seeking press. But maybe it's just me thinking, oh, well, we cover heavier things than most people do. But then again, I do consume conservative media, and I think that we do cover heavier topics. I got this note from T2T. Hi, Todd. You of all people, being an important disseminator of the truth, have the right to be overwhelmed by the weightiness of it. So please, so um, of it, so please, and I'm grateful that you don't let up a bit. I think that the listener was dead wrong in accusing you of excessive heaviness. Your listeners, myself included, do need to take the odd break just to recharge the batteries of joy by playing a little music or whatever. Others still have a foot in taking life easy, and to a certain extent, their lingering faith in the word assures them that even with all this decay, it will just naturally pass. It's a little of the you-can't-handle-the-truth, a.k.a. or a la Jack Nicholson. Many people I know can't handle a little of the truth at a time, so a revised version would be, you can't handle very much truth. There's an interesting saying that came from the ancient Taiping Christians who were called the Sabbath keepers. There is something ponderous and waiting about learning, about, about the learning of the self-taught. I'll say that again. There's something ponderous and waiting about the learning of the self-taught. I take self to mean spirit or wisdom-led, as in the spirit of discernment being like your higher self. T, appreciate that. And T, I would add just one thing to your comment. As we do a better job of putting God at the center of this cast, here's my greatest desire for discussions like this, is that in this, you can see all the ways in which the enemy leads people astray. He leads the powerful astray by making them more powerful, by giving them unlimited powers. Well, in terms of human beings. Bill Gates fancies himself to have unlimited power And in some ways, he does. That's a man who wants to block the sun. He's been led astray at some point in his life. Bill convinced himself that he alone can fix it. There's this. We go back through the show. Somewhere along the line, Joel Roth got really hurt. And at that point, he separated himself from God. In his active sexuality, he has separated himself from God. In his insistence that other people honor his choice and agree with his choice, and you're perfectly capable of loving people and disagreeing with their choices, but that's not what Joel Roth wants. Joel Roth sought and got a position where he was able to force people to pretend to accept his choice or they'd lose their social media privileges. He was misled. So as we go through things like this and we examine the House Republicans, where is it in their presentation of the things they demand where is a return to the vitalization of religious liberty where is item number one an attempt to codify the ability to live your religious faith in public without fear of the irs it's not on their list because god so often doesn't make their list because of course it's just a secular world So when we talk about things like this, it's to remind me and others that there's countless ways in which the enemy leads us astray, and we understand that he's a roaring lion and he's seeking to to steal, kill, and devour, then we can be a better job at protecting ourselves and also our loved ones in the tiny little ways that that the enemy wants us to stray from God, because it doesn't need to be big all at once. It just needs to add up to a separation from the Lord. And that's why so often the topic matter really is that heavy. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's be truly based. I don't even know what that phrase means, but let's be truly based in the word of God.